Why not? A queer podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Todd. And I'm Jeremy Williams, and you're listening to Why Why Not? A Queer Podcast. Episode 36. That is divisible by six. (laughs) That is the most (laughs) exciting thing about that number. Um, Well, we're one year into our presidency. Yeah, yeah, we are... um, I think that's it. I don't. I don't have any other thirty sixes. I don't either. It's. Di- <laughs> I was gonna say it's divisible by four, and then I was like, it is, right? Y- no. Yes. No. <laughs> no. What's four times eight? Four times eight is thirty-two. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So we're. Oh yeah. Thirty-six is six times six. Nine times. Oh yeah, you're right. I had to do my. <laughs> I had to do the finger thing. <laughs> well, we're not mad. Count to... one, two, three, four. You drop that thirty-six. One thing that I'm that I'm sure of is that none of us at this table are smarter than a fifth grader. Um, oh, I forgot. We're on camera. Thirty-six. <laughs> <laughs> so that means about like maybe about nine months. If you got pregnant when we first started doing this podcast, you delivered your child. That's exciting yeah. news. Ah. Uh, the smooth sounds of Rick and Jeremy got those two going. <laughs> Nine months later, the, the first wine or why not baby. Do you remember what the first one was about? What we talked about on the oh first one? Oh my God. Um, here's a new fun game. Let's, let's expose my inability to remember anything. <laughs> oh God, what did we talk about on the first episode? I, I Probably our favorite LGBTQ oh, movie. Oh yeah, that's right. We did, It wasn't... Um, I think the first couple episodes we talked about, like you know what it was, place. you talked about In and Out. Yeah, somebody said In and Out. That sounds like a good idea. And boom, pregnant. Mm, there you go. That's there what you go. It. And your favorite LGBT movie was? I don't know. I don't even know what I said at the time. I probably lied. Torch Song trilogy. No, I didn't no. say it was my favorite. Is it Birdcage? It may have been. I don't, I don't know. Remember. Anyway, anyway, if you're listening, go back to episode one. <laughs> And then shoot us an email. Yeah, shoot us an email to WWN at watermarkonline.com. It's always there for you. Any comments, anything you want to say? It's always there like a warm blanket. So we're doing something exciting this time. <clears throat> yes, we are. And I don't know if you'll ever see this or it'll end up on a blooper reel somewhere. But we have <laughs> we've decided to start video recording these. Yeah, yeah. So we've each got a camera in our face. Do you know what I'm doing is I'm not even I'm not looking at you when I talk I'm looking at the camera and I'm looking at you through the oh, camera. Oh, I'm looking at your eyeball, and <laughs> I got one eyeball on your eyeball and one eyeball on the camera. So I can't imagine what cross-eyed look I'm giving to the film right now. <laughs> well, I do hope then that everybody gets a chance to see this at some point. Yeah, the yeah. exciting thing for that I that I find in this is that it's chaos in here. Oh, on, absolutely, on this table, and nobody can see that. No, no, because we are perfectly framed. Just in real life, we are framed just to show what we want. No one sees all the chaos going on behind the scenes. You know, when I that first, causes us I, to drink. I set this up when I was setting this up. The camera was low and it shot from the like lower up. Oh, oh, I was like, mm, mm, mm. Like I like uh, they. Uh, I don't want to give uh, too much detail in case uh, my mother or a family member's listening, but I've seen quite a few videos like that. They're like looking up at the face, the face is down. <laughs> Tell me more about these videos. <laughs> so when a boy likes another boy, they pull out the camera. Is no, that I'm like? Sure. Is that like? Did, was that VR? Did you? Is that? <gasps> oh my god! I don't want to. <laughs> okay. We each, I think you did too. We each had VR uh, back yeah. when we first got our Google phones. We have Google Pixel phones. 
we both got the VR goggles that went with it. And uh, yeah, I was introduced to a world of there's actual adult entertainment that is shot to be <laughs> viewed through your virtual reality goggles. And I was so many different people. Um, I have visited doctor's offices. <laughs> Were you? A- I was on a space station. <laughs> Were you a popular girl? I was a popular girl, boy. <laughs> I think once I might have been a donkey. I'm not sure. Everything was chaotic. <laughs> uh, no, but there's a whole, uh, there's like a whole industry of adult entertainment that they shoot these virtual reality from your, uh, from your headset point of view. Uh, videos and it's interesting because you'll be sitting there and you're like look around you're like holy crap I'm in this room and then like you look down and you're like oh my god those are my tits <laughs> it's wild and then you take it's them wild. off and you look down and you're like oh like, there's my tits. there's my tits <laughs> you know I play play softball in in the Tampa Bay area and after one of the games they were all going out to eat and they were going to Hooters and they asked me if I wanted to go with them. And I said, no, I, I see enough tits when I take a shower. Aw. Aw. They got and good now wings, they can though. See. They can see. Yeah. Now, now you can now see you can our see tits. We have the, uh, you know what's funny is every time that you move and you put your arms on the table, my camera moves. Oh. Because I have this very sophisticated system of setting it up this time around. And it's not very stable. You're just humble bragging. Mine is a camera on a tripod. His is his phone leaned up against... His night is 2018 award. Is that 2018? Is it 2018? An award that he won. He's like, oh, <laughs> I, you sturdy. need something to lean. It's a sturdy award. I just want to remind <laughs> you that I'm an award winning person. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you're always an award winning person to us here at Watermark. Yeah, and I'm afraid of what those awards are. <laughs> Maybe that'll be our year end party as well. Just all we all have to write an award for everybody and we'll give it out. Oh, that's good. Like, say one nice thing about your coworker. <laughs> I didn't say that. I just said we were going to give it awards. <laughs> and, you know, you can get an award for it, something that you don't yeah. want one for. Yeah. Um. So, um, did we hit the housekeeping stuff? Yeah. Uh, we we got a Facebook out there. We got an Instagram out there. So hit us up on either one of those. Um. I probably need to be better about liking and sharing our posts. Did you? Make I got to be posts? better about making posts. Did so. we make any posts for the last issue? I or don't the last the uh, podcast. I don't think so, but I will put up a bunch this week. It's on my uh, to do list to populate our social media and get word out there that we actually have some. Yeah, sounds good. And we'll do a commercial <laughs> eventually. We'll do something. Oh yeah, yeah. We want people to listen. We will find a way to get them. Indeed. So what did you do this week? Anything fun? <clears throat> um, you know, it wasn't a super busy week. I mean, work. You know, it's it's always busy at work. So there was lots of work stuff. Um, but, uh, this weekend I spend most of my weekend with you. So, um, we did kind of the same things. We had, um, Space Coast Pride that we went to on Saturday. Uh, and then we went to a show yesterday at, uh, the Garden Theater. Um, outside of those two things, um, Chris, my roommate and, uh, best friend. I don't know why I said it as a question. <laughs> my <laughs> best friend. Um, he came back. He's a travel nurse. He's up in uh, Massachusetts right now. He came back for uh, for a couple of days. Um, so we just hung out, caught up. Um, and yeah, yeah. It's a really, really laid back, easy week. Always delightful to yeah. see him. Yeah, always a delight. Um, how about yourself? How did your week go? I figured we'll, we'll hold off on the things we did together until we, we find out what we did separately. <laughs> I had... 
I had a good week. I had a traumatic weekend, though. Did you? Why? Well, it was... Oh, is it involved what I made you do? Or almost made you do? <laughs> that's, a, that's a loaded question. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get... Yeah, that. we'll get to that. Yeah. That was Stay last night. Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> no, I... um, So, I was in Orlando... I came in Friday or Thursday night. I came to Orlando mm-hmm. and I was here just to get stuff ready for Space Coast Pride, right? Because there's no one really designated to kind of gather the supplies around. And until that position is filled, I just kind of fill it. So I came in to get all the supplies ready and then decided that I was going to stay in um, Orlando through the weekend and I was going to play softball for the Orlando team that I have also signed up to play for. And but in doing that, I realized that I had left all of my softball stuff mm. in um, in Tampa Bay, St. Pete. Yeah. So Dylan, who's amazing, and he's he's like, well, why don't I drive it to you? We'll meet halfway and we'll have dinner. And so we're like, oh, let's go. Let's go to Lakeland. So we drive to Lakeland, which, you know, this is an interesting thing. You had dinner in Lakeland? Yes. How was the Cracker Barrel? I'm just kidding. No, we, <laughs> yeah. So what we I, they just they built a Miller's Ale House. Oh, did they? Yeah, and I've kind oh, of nice. I've taken it off my list of places to go eat because we used oh, to eat there all the time. Nice. <laughs> so it, I took I took Miller's off the list, but I noticed there was a new one as I as I drive back and forth. And I was like, oh, we'll go try that one. So I tell him, let's go to this one, and I tell him where it is. And on the way there, I realized that where I thought it was, the address I thought was right was wrong. Oh. So the one that we were going to was basically drive to Lakeland and then drive 10 miles into Lakeland. Oh, no. And I called him and I was like, please don't go to that one. I was like, I am not going 10 miles into Lakeland. I don't know what direction, so I don't know where we're going to land. And, you know. I can't even tell you what's 10 miles into Lakeland. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I imagine um, a banjo. <laughs> Several banjos. Sweet! <laughs> so um i just didn't want to i didn't want to go there uh so we so we, we went to go to the to the one that i you know i found the address to the place that i wanted to go to so we go there and it was a 45 minute wait oh good lord did not eat there went what do you to, expect when they have their first fine dining establishment <laughs> open in town <laughs> no we went to ford's garage have you ever been to a ford's garage uh, I used to have a Ford Focus and we get it fixed at Ford garages. Is that the same thing? Uh, probably not. I think it's probably better at the, the, at the Ford, Ford at the, No, I don't. I don't think so. No, it's really kind of cool. It's an yeah. interesting place because the like the sink is a tire with a bowl in the middle of it. Oh, that's interesting. And like the the faucets are are gas pump handles. Oh, just, I don't think it was a f- one of those, but uh, I was. Um, uh, I did go to uh, when I first moved back down here, and I worked at Tampa uh, for a little bit. Um, I did meet up with an old uh, childhood friend of mine at a restaurant that was designed to look like a garage, but I don't remember what it was called. It might have been one of those. Oh, Fords. it might have been. Um, but I remember we ate in an oil change bay, bay where, where I think cars get oil changes. That's what sure? it looked like. Are to you me. sure you didn't? I mean, I ate at a table. I, I told you that Ford dealerships have the best food in town. <laughs> now, um, it was it was just designed to look For like me, you I'll have an the E sixteen. <laughs> Cheez-Its. Mm. <laughs> anyway, uh, you went to Ford. Yeah, so so we went there and ate, and then I got my stuff, and we went we went back home. And then in the morning, I get up, go to my game, and the other team – time for another glass already. Uh, so I go there, and the other team doesn't show up. They forfeit. Mm-hmm. So all of that was useless, pointless uh, to do that, which was obnoxious. But on Saturday morning – Hey, dinner at Ford's in Lakeland is never pointless. 
Oh, I think we had a gay waiter. Ooh. I won't say his name in case somebody in Lakeland's listening and wants to go harass <laughs> also him. Also, in case he's not gay. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. It was so they like we walked in like clearly the two gay guys and they're like go sit him in the gay section. <laughs> so uh, anyway, on Saturday morning before Space Coast Pride, right? I'm supposed to meet you out in Melbourne at yes. three thirty is when our booth shift starts, right? Yes. And so I figured plenty of time for this. Like I, I I had a hole in my tire the other day. I went to get it repaired and they were like, hey, you need new brakes, and I'm like, well. I don't need new brakes. I have no indication in my car whatsoever that I need brakes. And just based on you telling me the story, they emphasize, sir, (laughs) it is for the life of you and everyone on the road that you get these brakes fixed. They said, this is what they said. I said, they said, you need new brakes. And I'm like, meh, I would have traded in a little bit. So I don't want to replace them. They said, no, (laughs) you need them today. And I was like, "Mm." and they were like, but we close in five minutes. So you have to leave it. I was like, I'm driving to St. Pete right now. You know, for for a garage that, A, doesn't serve food. Secondly. Right. I was like, where are my nachos? Seems really concerned that the, uh, for the safety on the street. You'd think they'd have stayed open a little late. Well, especially from all the things I've learned about replacing brakes since that moment. So I just said, give them to me. And then I started thinking, you know. I was like, although there is nothing that indicates on my car that I need brakes. There's no yeah. squealing. There's no noises. There's no, no light. No light. Nothing. Is there a dash light that comes on for brakes? Because there is for everything else in new cars. There is a brake light, but I've been told that maybe that's just for the brake fluid and Ah. not anything else. Fluid lights. (laughs) Lights are fluid. Sounds like a name of a new gay bar. (laughs) (laughs) Open till 4 a.m. Fluid lights. So so where am I in this story? Okay, so I I realize I have 142,000 miles on my car. Maybe, maybe there's some truth to what they're saying. Yeah. So I'm, I'm talking to my mom. I'm talking to my brother. He's apparently he's changed the brakes on cars before, and he's like, "We'll change the brakes for you." Perfect. All right. I was like, "I'll come over at 9 a.m. We'll hammer this out in an hour, two hours. I have plenty of time to do what I need to do." So we get there. We go. I pick them up. We go get the brakes. Tell them what kind of car they give us. The box. Come back. Getting everything together. Wrong size. Mm. They're the wrong size. Even though it's what the computer says, they're the wrong size. So then, in the meantime, everyone who has a functioning car at that house has left. So we're sitting there with the wrong brake pads, time's ticking away, and I have no way to get to this place. So I'm like, well, let me call my mom and tell her to come back to the house. Call her, no answer. Text her, no answer. Go inside the house, call her. All of a sudden, a phone starts ringing that's in the hands of my niece, Uh, who has my mom's phone. So... We're like, okay. So then I'm thinking, do I Uber there? I don't know. Time's ticking away. I'm getting very anxious. Like when I'm late to something, I get very anxious. So luckily, 10 minutes later, my mom just happens to come back home. Go out there, get the right brake pads, come back. Get it all put together. Get the wheel on. Like got the one side complete. Put it together. Put the wheel back on. And I look on the ground and there's this little metal thing. So like little spring things. I was like, mm. do, you, do you think this might be important? Yeah, spare parts. All yeah. Anything you buy in life always comes with spare parts. See, I feel like when it comes to an automobile, that maybe maybe IKEA rules don't apply. <laughs> maybe it's like, hey, you've got an extra screw. It's okay. It'll hold together. No. So we take tire back off, put the springs on there, put it back on, and in putting it back on, I break the bolt ah. into the car. So then I'm thinking, that's it. We're screwed. I'm down to like 30 minutes before I have to leave. And um, anyway, we were stressing out. Watched a couple of videos on how to get a bolt out. Thinking like, I'm just going to have to get this to a dealership. And it's going to cost me like thousands of dollars. 
come back. My brother manages to watch the videos, do the things, get the ball out. Perfect. Slap them all back on there. Get both sides done. Get to pride. Two minutes late. Not now, bad. I don't know if everybody else that was there was counting how late I was because I make a very big point <laughs> to tell everyone, do not be late. You're relieving people of, of their shift. And so when I was like two minutes late, I, I was like, somebody's going to say something. Yeah. No, I don't think anybody really noticed. Um, we were just having so much oh, fun. In that case, I was on time. <clears throat> um, I do love your story about brake pads because the extent of my knowledge of brake pads comes from one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, the comedy classic Tommy Boy, where mm. Big Tom Callahan and Tommy Boy um, sold brake pads. And the entire time you are telling that story, whatever you say brake pads, I just keep hearing Chris Farley's voice in my head um, saying, uh, I could sell you a steak by sticking your head up a bull's ass, <laughs> but wouldn't you take the, rather take the butcher's uh, word for it? And uh, it kept making me smile. And then I forget we're being recorded. So I look like an idiot. Just, <laughs> you're like, my brake pads. I was like, ha. Ah. <laughs> I broke the bolt. <laughs> anyway, but you got your so, brake pads you know, on. And you know what I learned? I learned that it probably takes about 15 minutes to change brake pads. So that place could have stayed open and fixed it. Mm. But they also would have charged like $400. And I did it for um, $60. I think, it was, I think it was actually $50 for oh, the brake pads. That's not bad. Not Limp bad. Biscuit did it all for the Nookie. Mm. That's, a, that's a throwback for the young, the older ones listening. I'm not sure I like that sentence. Do you not remember Limp Biscuit did Biscuit it all for the Nookie? And There's their a lot hit going song on there. Nookie. There's a lot going on there. Anyway, so yeah, so super exciting. So we get to Space Ghost Pride on yes. time. And I've, Melbourne is a cute place. It is. It's a delightful little town. Um, I uh, and this is my own ignorance. Um, when we were, because me and Chris, we drove out there, and in my head, I'm thinking Melbourne is like the size of Lakeland, or smaller than Lakeland, like the size of Plant City. So uh, we were going to stop off because we left a little early, and we were going to stop off and get some food, and I was like, well, we'll stop along the way because there's going to be nothing in Melbourne, thinking it's like, you know, one gas station thinking and it's two like red Lake, lights. Like it's Lakeland. Yeah. They got a new Miller's. So um, we pulled in, and if, if it was like Dorothy coming out of her house into the land of Oz. I was just in, in awe of everything they had. Do you know they have a mall out there? Really? A whole yeah. mall? I've been out there a few times. I've gotten to the King Center, too. I actually lived yeah. in Melbourne once. Um, I don't remember much about it, but it was when, from two to four years old I lived there. Oh, very nice. Spent a lot of time at the King Center? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Rewind? Did you? Uh, did, no, and I was I lived there when I was a baby. Spent a lot of time at the beach. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Which is probably why I don't go to the beach ever now. Mm. And Too then, much sand. Yeah, I don't, gets everywhere. Sand and salt. You know, put a swimming an infinity swimming pool. Put that in the in the sand mm -hmm. before the 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 beach. But put a, like a walkway on it so I don't have to get any sand or salt on me at all. See, I had this conversation with Chris last week because he loves the beach. I am a lake person. I would rather be up in the mountains. At a lake in a cabin, late at night, nobody around except for maybe a serial killer. I don't know. That's all that seems to hang out at lakes. I, tangent, but that whole description of lake water that you just described it almost sent me into a panic. <laughs> I cannot do dark water. Like oh, lake water. You don't know what's in there. You don't know what's in the ocean. But you can see. You go to a different ocean than I do. <laughs> 
Was, I spent a lot of time on the golf side. And it's very murky water. <laughs> well, I just got back from the Bahamas. Oh, well, yeah, that's clear water. Oh. Speaking of clear water, have you thought about taking a vacation this year? <laughs> I hear it is clear water. It doesn't matter. They're not a sponsor. <laughs> um. Anyway, but yes, it was a really cute pride. I really. Went, um, oh, go ahead. That's okay. <laughs> you just, more? Just, just, just to finish clarifying for you, I go, went to the King Center to see a lot of shows oh. once I started working at Watermark. Oh, I did a lot yeah. of shows out there. You know, and again, my ignorance and stupidity and my lack of maintaining memories. Um, just as you're sitting here talking about the King Center, I saw da- me and Gary saw David Sedaris when I first started working here. Uh, we were given a pair of tickets to the King Center. Oh, uh, nice. to go see David Sedaris. And by the time we got out there, I realized why no one else wanted to go to the show. It's, it's a bit of a drive. It's an it's hour. It's a bit of a drive. It's not too, it's not yeah. too much. Uh, I went to go see one song by the Pet Shop Boys. Oh. What one song was it? Um, the, the, <laughs> the opening song. I don't even know. I saw the one song, and Jen and I looked at each other, and we were like, eh, maybe we shouldn't have taken these tickets. <laughs> it was a, yeah. I mean, there was a time where they were good. Yeah, I know that there are people like them. That's fine. It's just not my kind of music. They're not my '80s band. I gotcha. You know, they're no Tiffany. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, they're no <laughs> Debbie Gibson. <laughs> all right, yeah. they're no Paula Abdul. <laughs> See, you get yeah, what I'm saying. There you go. What's Paula? I also saw Lay Miz there, and the stage broke. Uh, you know, when they say that the stage breaks, it just means the turntable stopped working. I think mm. that's why in the revival they didn't use a turntable. I have not seen the revival. The However, amazing. it is on the um, season this year oh, for exciting. Um, Dr. Phillips Center. So I'm very much looking forward to it, um, to hear the, hearing the people sing, you singing and, the song. You of and I men. will have a great time there. Yes, we will. <laughs> Sorry, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it, friends of Rick and Jeremy. <laughs> you don't get Unless to go the, to that. You know, there's a new person. I hope we still get tickets. Maybe we'll get two <laughs> sets this time. <laughs> She's like, you get one ticket. One of you picks the first act, the other yeah. one gets the second act, and you can tell the other one about the rest of oh, the show. Oh, God. With Les Mis, <laughs> I'd take the first act. Um, Because then you get to hear one day more, and then the rest of it, all that happens is everybody dies. That's true. Although I do enjoy a good rendition of Empty Chairs, Empty Tables. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I have been known to kick back in bed and listen to Eddie Rainmane <laughs> emotionally uh, belt that one out. Yeah. I, mean, I, I love him, but he's not very good in that movie. Oh, I, I was thinking about going back and watching because I've been listening to Les Mis a yeah. lot lately. I So have I. Did something happen, Les Mis-wise, in our lives that made <laughs> no. us go back to it? Maybe like, were we... maybe we're just so damn poor <laughs> now and all we want is bread. No joke. I have been listening to <laughs> Les Mis nonstop for like three weeks, and I feel like something happened that made me go, oh, you know what? I need to revisit Les Mis. I don't know what it was. I think it was on somebody sang something on TV. It must have been somebody sang a song or something on TV somewhere. Oh, maybe because there was. A re- I was like, oh, that's I remember that song. So then I went back, or something that we watched. Yeah. Somehow we must have watched something for this podcast. Somewhere, some way. Anyway, I'm sure this is very interesting for yeah. <laughs> for everybody to hear. So yeah, Space Ghost Pride was super cute. Yeah. Super uh, cute. And Melbourne has a bead store right in the middle of downtown. They do. They also have a really nice Irish pub. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, Did you go there? Did no, you... but I popped my head in. It's cute. It's I cute. walked by it. It was yeah. really cute. Really cute outside. 
didn't like, have time to pop in. I like the way it's set up too. It's like right there in the middle of everything, and you've got like mm-hmm. little blocks, and then you have a little space and little blocks. I know we're really jumping cute. all over the place, but you know, last night we went to um, Winter Garden, also a very cute downtown. There's a yeah. lot of little towns that have just like these really cute. I wish it was the 1950s again type downtowns, which. Uh, problematic in in the reality of what was going on back then, but aesthetically very nice. It was cute, and they've got like especially in in Winter Garden, yeah, where we yeah. were. The there's like that gazebo in the middle of yeah. downtown, which is like town it's square. Downtown Winter Garden is like a stage set of a Broadway play of what they think a small town looks like. <laughs> it's really it's like um it's like. Uh, back to the future when he goes back to yeah, the 50s. Yeah, it's like a set, a movie set. Yeah. Um well, a- except like- for that one terrible place. I don't I'm not even going to say the name of it, but it's com- it, it's racist. They know it's racist. The owners named it to be racist. We've written stories about it in Watermark. It's that bar. Is that, that in Winter Garden? Yeah, it's two it's two storefronts down from or three or four storefronts down from the theater we were at. I didn't in fact, I passed that. it on my way to the car, and I passed two people walking up to there trying to get in and saying, when is it open? And uh, I said, go drink your racism somewhere else. Oh. I don't remember the name of it, but, yeah, I it's do remember It's a very us, derogatory yeah, we, term for people of color. But for some, why did I think that that was in Daytona? But I think you right, it's, it is in winter. It's a very Daytona <laughs> thing to do. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, uh, <laughs> we've already pissed Lakeland off. We might as well piss Daytona off. But otherwise, adorable little place. Yeah, yeah. Um, so last night, I guess that's a good segue to what we did last night. Um, for those who uh, of our age or who have a Netflix account, um, uh, a, a little Seinfeld actor, a little by the name of John Hurley. Oh, Hurley. Who's Hurley? What? John O. Hurley. Is it O. Hurley? It sure is. Well then, he likes that. He likes that quaint little Irish pub in Melbourne. <laughs> um, John O'Hurley. Do you know that I kept calling him John Hurley last night on the phone, and Dylan said, "When you do your podcast, it's O'Hurley." Oh well, <laughs> Dylan should have given me a call before we started this. <laughs> um, anyway, John O'Hurley um, was uh, that was my Irish accent for those who didn't know. Um, he uh, has been doing a show at the Garden Theater in Winter Garden um, called. Yes. Brilliant, brilliant oh, yeah. things. Brilliant little things. A million brilliant Br- little things. A million things. brilliant things. You raised your hand. I thought you wanted to no, answer. I was, no. <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, yes, uh, you down front. And it's videotaped, so you'll get some proof of that. That's really what I did. Yeah, I would like for you to tell everyone before we get into what the show was. Uh-huh. Tell everybody what, what you thought it was. Okay, so, and shame on me for not utilizing Google as everyone else in the world does. Um, or so, our fall arts guy. Or think? our fall. <laughs> well, we didn't do like an in depth on it. Oh, we yeah. just, I just saw John O'Hurley and I was like, yeah, we'll throw that in there. Um, okay. So uh, they were gracious enough. They reached out to us and they offered us tickets for um, opening week. He's been here for a month. Uh, and in the course of, of going to the show, we realized the reason he was here for a month is he's from Winter Garden, um, which he mentioned several times in, okay. not from like he was born here, but he lived here. That wasn't his life story. What do you mean? <laughs> Isn't this just a show? It's not. No, I his... think it's a look back at his life. I don't think it's his life. Are I you think sure? It's a play. Do we have someone who can Google that for us? I think it's a one. While man... we're discussing this, I need you to find out if this is autobiographical. I the entire time I am thinking this entire thing is autobiographical. Okay. I don't think that it is. 
someone, either John O'Hurley or the character he was playing is from Winter Garden. <laughs> I think that's the joke of it. I mean, that is that is that is because he's he makes this joke. I moved here. He's been here for a month. But it was it was just all part of the show because he's in Winter Garden. I'm sure that wherever this show takes place, oh, this show says, has not been done anywhere else. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Um, anyway, so while we're looking into that, maybe next time we'll <laughs> research more. Um, so um, we are given a call by, uh, uh, or again, email from Garden Theater, and they're like, "Hey, his show starts. It started a month ago. He's been here for a month. Uh, we'd love to invite you. We're doing a media night." And unfortunately, it was the same time that I was in Philadelphia and you were on the cruise with Dylan. So I was like, yeah, I'm so, you know, that sounds great, but we're not able to um, uh, to to go. We're out of town. And he said, well, let me know. He's here for a month. Let me know what day you want to come see the show and we'll send you some tickets. Did you find out? It is not. Well, I well, feel changed. bamboozled. This entire thing, I was emotionally connected to John O'Hurley and felt sorry for him. It is now. I just want, I, I was sure of that, but now this is just, it continues to be one of the most confusing experiences. This of was our such lives. a, okay, now it really just turned into a very weird experience because it's a play. I assumed that it was like an, it, what do they call it? an evening with John O'Hurley right. where he's going to talk about his time on Seinfeld because that's the or, only thing or I know him like from. his favorite breed of dogs because he hosts the the dog show oh uh, does he you know that Macy's Thanksgiving parade when it's over there's like a big famous dog show that's right yeah. after the parade he hosts that oh i didn't know that or he did for years or maybe he'll talk about the many dozen commercials he does because he has one of those voices. You know what right. I mean? He has a vo the voice. Right. So um, so this is what we both think this is yes. about. We both think this is going to be the, a great night. We're like, maybe he'll do some stand-up. Maybe, yeah. maybe he'll tell stories. Tell some Elaine stories of Jay Peterman. Now, I just want so, – so we have in the room with us Caitlin, who's new on staff at Watermark, and she sits in here to kind of just make notes for us as this goes along. Yeah. And she is reading right now what this play is about and hearing what we think it's about and then her knowing what it's about she's cracking up because it's which if you know what this play is about it's not funny caitlin <laughs> <laughs> what is so funny about it um so we're on the way i'm on the way there yeah to go see the show to meet you so to i go because they're they're at will call our tickets right. so i go up to the box office and i say uh, my name's Jeremy Williams. I'm here to pick up my tickets. Now, before you tell them yeah. about the tickets, I just want to say that while I'm in the car and I'm driving, I'm telling Dylan that I'm talking to him on the phone and I'm like, this is, I'm excited about this because I think this is interesting. I can't wait to hear what stories he's going to tell. I always think evening with celebrities are interesting. Yeah. So, you know, like uh, Carol Burnett was fantastic. One of the things I, we've talked about this, the last time I was at the Garden Theater is Joel Gray. Yes. Was doing, and he, he was doing songs and talking about his life. That's what I thought this was going to be. Right. So I'm on the phone. <laughs> On the phone with Dylan, and he's like, "What do you want me to look it up? I'll tell you what it's about." I was like, "Oh yeah, do that." Like, what kind of stories is he gonna tell? <laughs> it no, yeah. So he starts. <laughs> it, first of all, he says that it is. Um, oh, I forgot the word already. Um, it wasn't. It would. Um, it's a poetry reading of affirmations or something. Yeah, like it was that. like a, a. But it was like the the word that he used for it, an immersive. <laughs> did you just kill a duck? Quack quack. Um, that it was a um, an, an, immersive? an immersive experience of poetry and affirmation or something like that. 
Okay, none of these words are words that I like to hear when it talks about a show I'm going to see. Yes. Immersive means audience participation. You do not like that. I do not like audience participation. So then, and and then it's like, I'm also not a big fan of poetry. No emotions to nor, speak of. Nor am I a fan of affirmations. Complete opposite. He'd rather put you down. <laughs> if they if they go into your office and you have those affirmation posters up, I'll leave. If if your eighty year old aunt posts it on Facebook, it does not belong in a show. So you know, I'll tell you this: this is a terrible thing. And I was I was joking, but sure. But um, some there was a lot of affirmation talk going into the sales team a long time ago. Uh, like posting things on Facebook with their affirmation and they had their dream boards. Vision boards. And, oh, I, yeah. and I walked through and I saw all that and I said, I just went, how's it working out for you guys? <laughs> you know, like, you're still here. <laughs> How those dreams working out for you? <laughs> yeah, we are. So, I mean, that's just, I mean, it's great. Put it out in the universe, sure. That's, and I just don't want to see a whole show about it, right? So I'm thinking, great. But then it says, then he says, for a more immersive experience, there are tickets available to sit on stage. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ugh, that sounds dreadful. So then... So then I go to the box office, and I said, hi, I'm Jeremy Williams, I'm here to pick up my tickets. And she's, like, printing them up, and she looks at me, and she goes, wow, you're very brave. And I was like, excuse me? You're like, how did she know I was in the military? <laughs> Thank you for your service. Um, so she says, uh, you've got two tickets on stage. And I was like... Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I was like, that's not going to fly. And she goes, no, 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 it's a good. And she explained that um, there's audience participation and that he pulls people from stage to be part of the show. And I was like, oh, well, my friend who is coming to see the show with me is not going to like that. And she laughed. So I took the <laughs> tickets and I went out and uh, I was sitting uh, in the little cafe next door uh, waiting for you to come. And as you're walking up, you look pissed. And my first thought was, oh, he knows what's about to go down. <laughs> and you sit down, and I said, I have something to tell you. And you said, our seats better not be on the stage. <laughs> and I was like, ha, 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 we have seats on the stage. And you literally, I, I saw you kind of lean forward. I honestly thought you were going to get up and just walk back to your car and be like, fuck it, I'm, getting, I'm going home. You can sit on the stage by yourself. Um, so, um, after a few minutes of debating whether this would be good for us to get out of our comfort zone, uh, and experience something new, we went to the box office and we were like, can you put us in the audience? We don't want to be on stage. Right. And you know, and I just, not to be a jerk about it all, but it's like, I have been put, pulled to be on, a, on, in, on stage in certain friend shows. Like yeah. if a friend was doing a friend show and they're pulling people from the audience. I mean, I will not make your show better. It is yeah. so uncomfortable for me that it, it will ruin your show. In fact, one person who pulled me down uh, to be on the stage afterwards was like, thanks for being dull. Like, you could have helped out a little <laughs> bit. And I said, don't ever pull me into your audience. You don't want yeah. me there. Well, I didn't know that beforehand. So I did not know not to pull you on my show. <laughs> that wasn't me. Um, so anyway, so they were gracious and they were like, no, 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 we understand. Um, they did mention that um, the entire audience is encouraged uh, to participate um, and, by giving us cards. And it's part of the show. Every card's got a number on it. It has a word or a phrase. And uh, throughout the show, when he calls out your number, you're supposed to yell out your word or phrase. 
So that that was the extent of our participation. Oh, right. and the high fives. <laughs> oh yeah, the high fives. So so I just say that the the reason that they were all numbered is just to get at a gist about what this show is about. Okay, so remember what I said, or what I guess I'll say when I said it was a, a poetry and affirmation and all of that stuff and uplifting. That's what I remember being told. So I can't say for certain that's what was actually in there because none of that was what this show was about. And so it's about the life of this one character played by John O'Hurley. Mm-hmm. And it starts off right off the bat talking about how his mother has um, struggles with um, mental illness and experiences extreme happy highs followed by devastating lows in which she tried to um, commit suicide when mm-hmm. he was seven. So as a seven-year-old, he decided what he would do to help her, because he thought this would be helpful to her, would be to make a list of all of the reasons that one would want to live. And so his list was like ice cream and mm-hmm. Superman and like because he was seven years old, people falling down. And when I when I was telling people about the show, they were like, that sounds like your list now. <laughs> <laughs> and so the so that's what it is. And so when when there was a number on there, you would yell out and what you're yelling out is one of the one reasons of the list. Yeah. Some of the reasons. On. On so it, so he was seven years old and his mom tried to, to commit suicide. And then again, 10 years later. And then was successful. Uh, I guess now that's one of the rules. You're not supposed to say a successful attempt. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, they later, had a list later on in life. There another was, list. Yeah, there was another. It was a it was a show of lists. Uh, but his his mother died by suicide um, after he was an adult and married and divorced yeah. and all that. And on, on TikTok, you can't say suicide or your video gets pulled down or something. Oh, really? So they say unalived. They unalived themselves. I'm gonna. I mean, you're on camera. I know, I was like, <laughs> don't make I, faces. I, you couldn't. You couldn't hear anything, but you could, you, you could see. I almost broke the camera with as fast as my eyes rolled back in my head. Whatever you gotta. Say. I'm just like you know. I get it. Words evolve and phrases evolve, and people gotta say things. And call it what you want. Yeah. Good for you, TikTok. So a Hurley's mother unalived herself. Yes. Um, well, no. No, it well, not the, the real one. It the was the fake one. one. It was. It's a character in a show, you know. So I mean, the, the, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to end very happily either. No, it's a very depressing the mo- show. The most exciting, uplifting part of it is when he runs around and high fives everyone in the audience. Now, when we say he high fived everyone, I know what you're thinking. This man's in his 80s. He must have been exhausted. First, yeah, he was. He mentioned he was yeah. exhausted. Secondly. Um, he'd been doing this for a month, a there whole were, month. This was the last show. Did you notice there were two people he didn't high five? No. And it's because as he was running by, they kind of sheepishly were like, hey, they didn't get my oh. high five. <laughs> and he ran past them and I thought, oh, you poor people. Anyway, there was probably about, I mean, this is a theater that holds 150, 200 people. There is about 15, 20 people in it. You think so? I would, I would go, I'd go 30, 40. Maybe. Are you counting the people on stage? You know. Yeah. The, the the non-union actors that were forced to be in yes. the show. As the show went on, more and more, part of me was like, thank God we swapped it out. And then part of me was like, I would, you would have been so pissed, but I would have died. I would have unalived if, <laughs> if he had picked you to be his father. <laughs> I, I would have unalived you. I would have unalived you from the start. So like five minutes into this, five minutes, the very uplifting story he's telling is about his dog dying. Uh-huh. 
And so he immediately looks at a guy on the stage and says, you, come up here. This is the first time. He has a microphone in his hand. He tells the guy, come up here. You're going to play the vet. So this guy who just came to see a show is now putting a dog down. Yeah. That's his job. Yeah. And I was like, if that was me, I mean, he had to make light of it, but it's just all very serious. And then, but the worst was, you're right. This is the worst the one dad. where he said he got married and he said, my dad gave a beautiful speech at the wedding. So the guy on stage front said, give a speech. Give a speech. And then sat down. And then he said something and he goes, oh, you're so wonderful. Keep going, dad. <laughs> like. How uncomfortable is that? The whole How show weird. was uncomfortable. How weird. So then when so he had to go to a therapist when he was a kid after his mom's. Oh first my god. Attempt. I feel like she's that lady she I think either she wants to be an it. actress or she's seen the show a couple Yoo! of times. She was getting into it. She was And I felt like she knew her lines. She kept saying it all the time. You I think she's been to see it a couple of times. Yeah. But what struck me as weird for she's her. A, she's a John O'Hurley super fan. Because she was the guidance counselor or whatever. And she used, would put on a sock and do a sock puppet so the kids could talk to the sock puppet. So he gives her a sock because she's not wearing any, which he makes fun of people from Florida for not wearing socks. And then she she puts her hand in the sock and she does a little thing and talks. And then keeps, and then it, on. keeps it on. All <laughs> the entire show. show. Here's how you know she kept it on the entire show. Because at the very end, when his wife leaves him and says he needs therapy and his mom is also, alive, he calls her and she's like, I still got the sock puppet on. Now that I know this is not a true story of John O'Hurley, how stupid. You don't... <laughs> You have to go to therapy. You don't call your elementary school <laughs> guidance counselor at three in the morning. There might be a hole or two in in the pot. Oh. No, but anyway, it's what what is great about it. I don't want to like we're joking about this whole thing. I'm just glad that I wasn't on stage. Yeah, because I would not like that speech. My speech yeah. would have been like Jeremy doesn't work here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he just got fired for making me do this. No, and um, then I would have said. John, make him say more. (laughs) (laughs) You would have been like, I don't care. Give me more wine. This is funny. Um, But the the premise of it, the uplifting part of the show is that as people found out that he made this list as a child, they got into it and they wanted to contribute to it. And people all over did. They wrote things on sleeves. But uh, they it, it's all fake. Well, no, Honestly, I, mean, the, I know that you knew that well, this was Dear Evan fake. Hansen didn't happen either. But I didn't go into Dear Evan Hansen <laughs> thinking it was his life story. Until 10 minutes ago, I thought this was his life story. <laughs> and I'm still processing that. <laughs> Are you going to need a minute? A little bit. You're going to need another bottle. I just feel cheated. <laughs> I thought that man opened up to us and it was all fake. Actors are all fake. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> By trade. That's the point. Um, anyway, yeah, I thought the entire time we were learning about his life story, and I was like, wow, for him to bounce back from that and become, you know, the uh, amazing, important actor that he is. <laughs> you know, I'm going to say, wow, that wine's kicked in for sure. Uh, I will say this. Uh, I was. He did a good job. At making you think he that. convinced me it was real. Yeah, yeah. I gotta tell you, like I've I've only seen him do sort of caricature kind of things, yeah. like Jay Peterman and the Dog Show. Is there anything else on? <laughs> but um, like he is a really he, good serious actor. This just 
came. I, I held it in favor like it's a like a oh. news report. <laughs> it just came in. It just popped into my head. He for a short time hosted Family Feud. Oh, he did. He did, didn't he? <laughs> yes, I just said it. Do we need to be here for the rest of this? Or you want to handle this? I, I got this all on my own. All right. Um, but it was it was it was a good show. It was yes. it was it, it was a lot to process. I got home and people were like, "Was it good?" And I'm like, "I'm still processing." It's just it was very it's very depressing. It is. It's one of those shows whether you like it or hate it. I don't know unless you're sock puppet lady, you'll see it more than once. I will say that I think that it's it's an important show because it really tackles serious issues and talks about about mental illness just right in front of you and how yeah. it affects the lives of people around them. And um, I, I appreciated that. I think it's necessary. And I think that was the point of the show. One of the, you know, if you read the program or what or whatever's on their website that that Dylan was reading me, um, he's it was. It was a process creating the show and something that that um, John Hurley was very proud of. And I think that they should be. It was, you know, so I would say if it was still going on and it's not. And well, it's not in Winter Garden. But if you happen to get yeah. a chance to go see it, go see it. And if you like audience participation, sit on the stage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've if already there's somebody you. who really is like you, you, you want to be an actor or you want to be involved. There's people out there that love this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. That's this is a well, good opportunity too. What was your what was your number? 23 superman yeah and i yelled it because he said to yell now, it as loud as you can if you're driving in your car i should have warned you to turn your volume down and i hope you didn't wreck when he yelled that out uh but yeah but it, it was he yelled that out so loud the ladies in front of us complimented me on my theater did. voice <laughs> they were like oh, oh good everyone baby. will be able to hear you four buildings down <laughs> Good Thanks, times. old lady, who is number 32, no, it conversation. Was, it was really good, and I really appreciated it. I had a great time, and I mm-hmm. love Winter Garden. So, you know, anytime Winter Garden Theater that you want us to come and see a show, especially Air the, Supply. The, the next one, uh, I, I want to see it. I'm afraid to see it, but I'm going to. I love Air Supply, but yes. I don't like Shakespeare, and A Midsummer Night's Dream is probably as Shakespeare as you can get, and I'm just like, ugh. Like, I could deal with a lot of Shakespeare shows, but I don't think I Like Romeo and Juliet. With air supply. That seems like it would make more sense. But a Midsummer Night's Dream? Macbeth. Mm. But I want to see it. And Patsy Klein, um, always Patsy Klein? Sweet Dreams. By Pitt. I don't know. One of those. It's a Patsy Klein show. Yeah, Patsy Klein. I would see that. Uh, probably not the real Patsy Klein or her real life, apparently. <laughs> it probably is Patsy Klein's real life, just not really her. <laughs> it will be Patsy Klein, played by John O'Hurley. <laughs> Patsy Klein's hanging out with uh, the Big Bopper and. Mm. Richie Valens and John Denver. Isn't that crazy that during that time, like, there were so many people that died in a plane crash in the mountains? Yeah. Well, planes were new. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. They didn't have, but they wish, wish they had spirit back then, huh? Oh. Or what's the other one? Jet Blue. No. No, Frontier. Uh, Frontier. Didn't that used to be AirTran? One of them had to be. I don't know. I don't fly anything you know less funny than is they lower change, than American Airlines. Listen, they would change their names, but those planes don't just disappear. Well, that's not true. That, I mean, some of them do. One of them did. One of them did. Amelia Earhart's did. Uh, the oh, Malaysian Air oh, 979? I don't remember what the airplane number Oh, was. that one did, yeah. Yeah? Did they? But they found debris for that, didn't they? There was did one they? that landed in the Everglades. I don't think they found any evidence of it. Anyway, happy. the Wright brothers. That's a happy story. I don't, I don't know, know if they ever found that one. If they did, I'm sure it's in a museum somewhere. I don't know. Anyway, 
So our assignments. Yes. Our so, assignments um, oh my God. We want, are we going to do the movie first? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, we watched a movie um, that uh, I had watched the trailer for. And I thought it looked entertaining. So I recommended we watch this. So you watched the trailer. Yeah. And you said, this is one Rick needs to see. Honestly, I knew going into this that you probably weren't going to be a fan of this movie. And I don't know. if Maybe you watched it and you're like, wow, that was pretty good. Um, but I knew I was going to love this movie. First, for two reasons. First, I watched professional wrestling when I was a kid. And um, so any movie that has to do with professional wrestling of any kind, um, I really dig. The other reason is because it stars uh, Gail Garcia Bernal. Bernal, Bernal. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly, um, but I um, did. I mess it up. Oh, <laughs> I saw a head shaking as I oh, said it. No. And I'm like, mm, no. our, our attempts to record you on this camera it keeps shutting off. Ah. Uh. Um. So um, I love him, and I think he's hilarious, and he has the most. His smile could. Uh, uh, what's that one uh, Greek um, story? The uh, Troy, where it set sails, set set ships. You know what I'm talking about? A smile like a launch ships. There was what's the Helen phrase? of Troy, who had the face that launched a thousand ships, or okay. something like that. His smile could do that. He has such a beautiful smile. Anyway, he's such an awesome guy, a great actor. Oh, and I love him. What? Greek mythology. Um, anyway, so the movie is Cassandra. And uh, for those who are unfamiliar with the movie, um, it uh, premiered on Amazon Prime this past weekend. Um, it was in theaters for a limited release the week before, um, and it is about um, Mexican wrestling, uh, which is um, called Lucho, uh, Lucha, L- Lucha, Lucha Libre. Libre. Yes. Um, and for those who don't watch Mexican wrestling, that's also the, uh, uh, the basis of that Jack Black film. Nacho Libre that came out uh, like ten years ago. You know, years ago? I, I didn't research like why it's called Nacho Libre. Um, is it? He's a he's a luchador. He's a he's a okay. he's a wrestler in it. A but it's, oh, and his name is Nacho yes. Libre. Okay. Now I have actually never seen the movie. I haven't, either. which is funny because I love wrestling, or I did when I was a kid. Um, me and my brothers used to watch WWF, <laughs> which is now WWE. Um. And I kind of grew out of it, but my younger brother, Joey, he watches it to this day, obsessed and loves it. Um, there is a uh, huge distinct difference between American wrestling and Lucha Libre. Um, I mean, not that huge. It's in a ring. It's not real. <laughs> Spoiler okay. alert. Did anyone tell the makers of this movie that this style of wrestling isn't real? Um, I'm pretty sure that everybody knows professional wrestling is not real of any kind. I mean, the Greco-Roman wrestling, yes. At some point in this movie, I looked at Jen and I said, so we're just going to pretend that this is real? Is that what this, is that what we're doing? Because I need to know to move on to enjoy the movie. Yeah, because I mean, he in the says, con- okay. I'm going to be this, but I'm going to win. Yes. And so he went out there and was like, I'm going to beat this guy. And the guy's like, no, you've got to let me win. So like, well, I mean, there's a scene where the promoter goes up into the ring when he's fighting the guys. And he says, Hey, you're going to let him win because exoticos don't win. They're the bad guys. Air quotes. Yeah. So we'll explain that real quick. So, so basically this is about, um, Cassandro is, um, an exotico character that is created by, are you gonna say his name? Do you want to pronounce no, go it? Ahead. 
<laughs> Sal Armendariz. Amendrez. Amendrez. Um, he who is a gay amateur wrestler who rose to international fame. So it's the yes. story of It's a of, true story. It's a yes. true story. Played yes. by John O'Hurley. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story where um where this guy who was a lucha uh, He was a luchador. And, uh, which ironically his name was El Tapo. <laughs> right. I wrote a note about that. Ironically, his name is El Tapo. And but he wasn't getting great. Because success. in one of the scenes here in the movie. He's not an El Tapo. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so he he um he he finds a coach. He wants to be this huge star, and the yeah, coach... and the coach is um and these are all ba- fake names, but they're based on real life people. So Cassandra is the only one whose name is actually the real name. But um in the movie Sabrina, who is a female luchador, um who's also a lesbian. Um, the real one, I don't know if they ever mention it in the movie that she's a lesbian, but in real life, the trainer, the female trainer who takes him on, she is also gay. They don't mention it in the movie, but if you've ever watched A League of Their Own, the actress who plays her, Roberta, Roberta Collinges, yeah. is in that, and she plays a lesbian in that, ergo. Oh my God, she is in she that. She is in that. Yeah, we covered that a few episodes yes. back, but she is, is she a pitcher? Is she a backup pitcher? Is she the catcher? She's one of those. She is the or El Tapo. She's the I don't know. She's the El Tapo. She's the El Tapo of a league of their own. But yeah, I recognize her right off the bat. I thought she was great in that, and I think she's mm-hmm. great in this. So she plays the coach who helps, um, who helps uh, him create Cassandra. Yeah, well, or who yeah. suggests it? Yeah, because he he's uh, he's a luchador, but he wants to um, he wants to up his game. So he uh, meets uh, uh, Sabrina. And he hops. She's like, "Hop in your your luchador. Hop in the ring with me." And he does a move on her that really impresses her. She goes, "I'm going to take you on and train you." So in the training process, she mentions you should become an exotico because she knows that he's openly gay. Um, and uh, he's like, "No, I don't want to be an exotico because I want to win. Exoticos never win." And that's the the whole thing with what exoticos used to be is it was a mockery of effeminate men, right? Because the 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 luchadors yeah they're the men were the were were the i the the quintessential yeah. masculinity and for those who don't figure. understand or don't like watch wrestling um but you you watch star wars the luchadors are like mandalorians <laughs> they have the mask on they never take the mask off their life is the mask yeah and so then you've got the converse of that yes which is um the effeminate man who loses all the time yeah yeah they go out and they're in very uh, effeminate costumes they wear makeup they're very flamboyant and they are the whole point of their character is to let the luchador beat the shit out of them and show how manly they are the 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 crowds chant homo and they chant the faggot. most horrific yeah. things at them. and it's encouraged and that was one of the reasons why Cassandra didn't want to become a uh, exotico in the beginning because they're just very demeaned in the sport yeah so he starts coming up with this idea of a costume um, and he goes to Sabrina and he's like you know what here I have an idea for a costume. So um, he shows it to her, and she goes, this is an Exotico costume. This is, this is a very flamboyant costume. He goes, yes, I'm going to be an Exotico, but I'm going to be an Exotico who wins. So um, 
that's where the story kind of picks up and he goes out and uh he gets his name Cassandra which I um which I uh I read is uh, actually true. He got the name Cassandra from a telenovela that yeah. he, that's how it's portrayed in the movie and I was reading um one of the uh over the weekend I think it was uh USA uh today did a um, here's what was in the movie, here's what actually happened kind of thing. So there's a lot of things in the movie that uh, were done for dramatic effect, but that one he actually did take his name from uh, a telenovela. Um, Although he based the character off of his mom. Yes, yes, the character is based off of his mom. Uh, and just for some background, um, he is openly gay. He came out at 15, and him coming out caused his father to leave the family. He left his mom and he left him. He didn't want a gay son. So um, in the beginning of the movie, um, his mom makes mention of of she wants him to find a nice boy and settle down um, who treats him right. So you get this impression that his mom is like, oh, she's a very accepting mom and she accepts him for who he is. But then she also there's parts where she blank. She mentions she goes, you know, your father left because of you. Um, so it was it's kind of like, you know, like double edged sword, like you're a very supportive mom who also takes every opportunity to let him know that you don't have your husband because he came out as gay, which was, you know, annoyed the hell out of me. Yeah. Right. So he's, so he doesn't get, but he has the same double edged sword relationship with this guy that is a, a for, uh, who is a, f- a fellow. He's a fellow conquistador. Uh, Luch- conquistador. Good Lord. L- luchador. luchador. His name is El Camadante. Right, and um, but he he is also a real person, but the mm-hmm. name is not the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for Cassandra, most of the names have been changed to protect the innocent. So he's like the love interest who's married with kids, married and, has kids, and, and has sex with Cassandra on the DL. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you know the guy? The guy that plays him is Raúl Castillo. Yes, he um, was in. What he was, was in he the in? inspection? We did that. He was in the yes. inspection, which we covered in episode twenty-three. And he is in Looking, which is by far yeah. one of one, one of, the, of your favorite shows. Maybe favorite. we'll check that out in uh, one of the upcoming episodes. It's great; it really is. Um, so he's sleeping with El Comandante, um, and uh, um, there's this scene in the beginning where him and his mom are at the diner, and he walks in with his family, and she's like, "Oh my god, it's a luchador! You should you should go say hi to him." And in the beginning, you don't realize that the two of them are sleeping together, so you think he's just shy. Like, oh, no, I don't want to go over and say hi to him. That's, you know, I'm embarrassed. Turns out he's sleeping with him and does not want to confront him in front of his wife and children. Yeah, and they were they were actually in love with each other. Yeah, um, yeah. And, which is a really another sad part of the whole movie, is that they were in love with each other, but they couldn't be together as much as uh, Cassandra wanted him to be. The other guy's just like, I just can't do it. Yeah. Um, and there's this one, um, I think he's talking to Sabrina in this scene. I wrote this down because it cracked me up. Um, so he's talking to Sabrina and he's like, I came out at 15. Um, and then my father left because uh, he was a lot into Jesus. <laughs> the way he says it, he's a lot into Jesus. It cracked me up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he was a religious guy. He left. Um, also something else that you realize uh, about 15 minutes in the movie, uh, Cassandra and his mother smoke a lot a lot 20 minutes into this movie and i wanted to go buy a pack of cigarettes so much so that when he was exhaling he was exhaling cigarettes uh, cigarette smoke out of his mouth and nose yeah like that's a hardcore smoker yeah so um 
Where were we in the story? So, uh, uh, Commandante, he's uh, having a down low affair with him. He's working with Sabrina, and he goes in and his fights, which are hilarious, but also kind of heartbreaking because they're insulting him. But he's like, he's just so flamboyant. And there's this one where he's fighting uh, one of the guys, and the guy is, uh, you know, he flips him over his back and he does a backflip or whatever. And the guy's bent over and he's like standing behind him as if he's gonna you know el tapo him el tapo <laughs> um and everybody starts ch- clapping and cheering and he's like flamboyantly running around he jumps up on the turnbuckle and he's like you know princess diana waving to people <laughs> um and they start really digging it and they start to chant his name and he's like you know i think i'm i think i'm swaying them i think i'm moving them right it was nice um of them to do that because the last time they were chanting his name when he was el tapo they were chanting El Tapo Bites a Pillow. Oh, yes, yes. They d- I forgot to mention that. They did call him a pillow biter, which, um, if you're not from the 1960s, is a way to say someone's gay. <laughs> right. uh, he's a pillow biter. <laughs> which, I mean, it's so insulting. It is. I, there's so much so insulting about But it. also, who of us haven't bitten a pillow or two? <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I don't. I don't think I ever have. I don't think I've really. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm not intentionally, but you know, things are going on. Pillow ends up in your face. You might bite down on it. Anyway. (laughs) I mean, is it a euphemism or it's actually biting a pillow? I think it's pillow biter because you're face down in your pillow with your ass up in the air. Yeah. Right. Pillow biter. Biting your pillow, Um, because why would anybody enjoy that? In the whole scenario, the biting in the pillow seems like the least interesting part of what's going on. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so, um, so yeah, so they, um, oh, there's this other scene, because they live in El Paso. uh, And there's this scene, he's sitting on the couch uh, with his mom, who's um, run out of pills. She's, She's got some health problems, and she's out of it. And people start running by the house really quick. And um, um, she's like, what, what's going on? What is that? And he goes, oh, it's just people crossing the border. And she's like, oh, we'll see if they're hungry, which I thought was the sweetest thing. Because, I mean, like, there's these people running across the border. And she's like, check and see if they're hungry or if they're thirsty. Because a lot of times they have kids with them. And I just thought that was a really touching scene. Yeah. Yeah, she was – really. I mean, so – the when her husband left her, then I guess she got this reputation of being a horrible person because she couldn't keep a man. Yeah, and so like I just thought like how nasty the the maids were to her because they clearly they they did clothing alterations uh, to make money. <clears throat> yeah, and when they would deliver those to the houses, the maids were really rude to her. Yeah, I found that very. I just yeah. didn't. Like I mean, that. also, and you find this out as the story is going along that um, he was married to someone else. Um, Cassandra's father and that she had uh, had uh, kind of you know been seeing him on the side and uh, apparently he had done this with a lot of women and had a lot of children from a lot of different women um, but specifically kind of stepped away from her and hit her and, and Cassandra because he as, was gay as Jesus-y people would as do as Jesus's people often do yeah. <laughs> sorry Ma don't listen <laughs> don't listen to this part that was I that was sarcasm yeah. Right. Because you know you're gonna claim. Yeah. That you're gonna you're claim to be Jesus-y, a religious so you, person, and then you I do hate my like son that. because I'm because I'm super Jesusy, but mm-hmm. I don't hate myself because I can do whatever I want. Yeah. So um, while he's with um, Commandante, <laughs> I think that's his name. Um, 
there's this scene where he's like, you know, he's like, I want, he gets word that he's going to be able to go to Mexico City and he's going to wrestle on TV and he's going to wrestle. Um, his name is the son of Santo, who, if he's the son of Santo, that that leads us to, to believe that there's a wrestler called, who goes just by Santo. Santo is the wrestler that him and his, uh, Cassandra and his dad used to watch. And the he gives them a little action figure. Uh, when they're watching the match, and that's an action figure of Santo. So he gets to wrestle, uh, an opportunity to wrestle Son of Santo in Mexico City. It's going to be on TV, so he's super excited. So he's with um, his his DL, and uh, he's like, you know, I would really love it if you came to Mexico City with me and you saw me wrestle, and he's like, no, I can't. Um, so um, Cassandro has, like, a freak out and starts yelling and then runs out the front door, and this part... Um, if you've ever been with somebody who's down low, I was like, you know, ah, that's so terrible. He's like, don't go out the front door, go out the back door. And I'm like, ah, you can't, you, you know, you claim to love this guy. You're so ashamed. I get that you're oh, married yeah. and have kids. You're going to ruin his whole life. Yeah. But he's like, he runs out the front door and they're running around the car, uh, making a scene. And he's like, just get in the house. So he goes in the house and, um, uh, he says, I don't want to see you anymore. Uh, Commandante says to um, uh, uh, Cassandro, they're in the bathtub and he gets out and he's like, you know, I don't want to see anymore. So he goes home and don't laugh at this part. No, I'm just laughing because I'm like, yes, Cassandro, that's who we're talking about. Yeah, I'm just trying to keep the names. Straight. That's fine. Um, and he gets there and there's a bunch of people in his house and he's like, uh, what's going on? And they're like, you know, it was her heart. He goes in the room and his mom is in bed and she's dead. Her, his mom died. I know, right? <laughs> I shocked our audience. <laughs> spoiler alert! If you haven't seen this movie, I feel like we need to say spoiler alert if we're gonna talk about something that's only been our, out a week. The whole show is spoiler alert. Yeah. So um, if you ever listen to this podcast, it's all we do is tell you everything that yeah. happens. So um, it's just such a heartbreaking moment because you know that's the that was his champion. She she'd always been there for him, even though she was you know kind of uh passive aggressive in some of her comments to him but always there that's his mother and he she dies and uh, this was right before he's going to mexico city and there's a scene when they get to mexico say him and and sabrina and they're in the hotel and he's like um he finds out because originally when he was becoming big he had taken his mom to look at this house and it was this big beautiful house and he wanted to buy it for her and while he's in Mexico City, after his mom dies, he finds out that the house was bought by somebody else. And he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. This was the whole reason I was doing it. I was doing it for my mom. I wanted her to have a happy life, and I don't want to do this anymore. So um, he does. He continues on. Um, and the mat- the big match happens in, um, in Mexico City. So... Right, and I want to I want to make sure that we leave ample amount of time for vicious. Yes. So we'll just say that it it was a huge success. Yes. The yes. the the other wrestler that he was wrestling with was very accommodating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He it, it's it when when it's fake wrestling, um, it's kind of like a dance. It's almost like a partnership, and uh, uh, they put on a really great match. Um, he was he they were chanting, you know, Mexico City, you know, the the derogatory terms again. He does he goes out he runs out of the ring and you think like he just can't take anymore he runs out and he goes up to the second story and he leaps off into the crowd and they like catch him and he's he crowd surfs uh into the ring he loses the match very rocky feeling he loses the match but he wins the hearts of the people of mexico city um so they shake hands at the end of the match 
um, and uh, he uh, he he leaves a big hero, um, a, a big star. So um, it cuts to uh, his uh, mom's gravesite. He's at his mom's gravesite, and uh, I believe that it was his, is that his father he saw. Like he's in his car, and I think it was his father he saw get out of his car and go up to the gravesite. Um, so he um, he meets his father at a bar. He's you know he reaches out to his dad and uh, gets that closure with his dad. Um, uh, yeah, well, closure just the fact that dad's an asshole. And well, yeah, but he gets to, to say what me. he wanted to say yeah. to his father, uh, and um, he basically says, um, "I needed you when I was a kid, but I don't need you now." Um, and, uh, it finishes up. This might've actually been before he was in the diner with his dad. Um, but he, um, which I don't, uh, this is very strange to me because they don't do this in professional wrestling here, but the son of Santos has a talk show (laughs) and he's, he's got a suit on, he's got the luchador mask on and he invites Cassandra on and there's a kid in the audience, which apparently this actually did happen. Um, the kid said that watching Cassandro be himself uh, in the ring gave him the courage to come out to his father, uh, and his father accepted him, and he said, I wouldn't have been able to do that without you. Um, and uh, it made Cassandro feel good. Well, you know, it, it sort of wrapped up his, I mean, it wrapped up the story. I mean, here's this guy who can't get the connection, a, a real true connection with anybody. Um, and he's and, connected with all these But all he these connected to yeah. to... to not having that connection fighting for that gave other people a connection. And I think that that's a, it's a beautiful story. You may be surprised to find out, but I love the movie. Oh, good. I good. really did. Um, I, 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 did I was surprised to find out that I love the movie because I was not in the mood to watch it. Yeah. And I didn't think yeah. the preview did it justice, uh, but it was great. Yeah. And really somebody good. who, if you watch the trailer or you know anything about the backstory of the movie, um, uh, it will surprise you none that bad bunny who is an international mega superstar has a part in the movie and they pushed it and promoted it for like, since I've heard about this movie, it's been this big thing. Yeah. Like it stars bad bunny. He's in it for like two seconds. Like, yeah. At most like legit a minute and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's like a kissing scene between them and you think he's the love interest. Yeah. No, no. Nope. Cassandra wanted to kiss him and he kissed and he him said, and he said, no, can't do it. Can't and do it. it. Yeah. He's good looking though. Um, so he's very attractive, yeah. but obviously one of those. Um, we're gonna throw Bad Bunny in here right. for two seconds just so the kids watch this movie. Right. Um, but a great movie. Check it, it out whether you like it wrestling or not. It's a really great. It's story. a good movie. Yeah. Uh, it it remind. I forget. You know, because our whole lives are gay. Mm-hmm. You forget like what it was like to to have to be hidden or, or when yeah. you were a kid or or to just have to hear. You know, people make fun of your neighbors that were gay or just have to yeah. hear people at your job. Like make fun of people because yeah. they're. Gay. Imagine your job is being in the center of twenty thousand people chanting "faggot" at you. Right. That's it's, yeah. And then and then but then to take that and make it into something that is helpful to other people, I thought was really yeah. It was a, it was a beautiful thing. So what do you think, Rotten Tomatoes? Um, well, I do know that this movie premiered at Sundance earlier this year, and it was uh, it caused a lot of buzz that people really liked it. So I'm going to say critics loved this movie. I'm going to say ninety two for critics. Um, and audiences, I mean, you know, audience love. It's a feel-good movie. I'm going to say 91 for audiences. 92. Really? On the dot. All right. For uh, critics, 85 for audiences. Oh, fuck you, audiences. Is that bad? I, no, but it's not as good I mean, as 91. I mean, we did one that was like 58. It's, we... I, 82 is it's fresh, What was as 58? They say. Was, that, was that another gay movie? I forget which one it was. Another gay movie, I mean... 
I was that in my mind, I was thinking it was 12, I believe, <laughs> but um, 30, 50, that sounds about right. All right. So then in addition to this, we decided now many, many, many moons ago. Yes. We watched uh, the like uh, two episodes of Vicious. And I think in we talked about in our, um, you know, what do you do this week? We kind of briefly talked about it, but we decided to go back and watch all of it to sort of cover today. So do you want to yes. you want to introduce Vicious to yes. everyone? So Vicious actually um I was introduced to this show uh, uh as many things in my life this day these days uh thanks to TikTok. I saw a clip of it. And this was um back in 2020. Um so I found it it's on Tubi. So I started watching it um shortly after my dad died and my mother had come to stay with us a little bit and uh we were hanging out in the living room looking for something to watch watch and i had seen this clip and i said oh we should look for the show found it on tubi and like me and my mother watched the entire series together um so i already have a, a connection to the show in that it was something that me and my mom bonded over after my dad died um but it is a british sitcom that was filmed in 2013, between 2013 and 2016, but looks like a stage show that was filmed in the 1970s. It has a very 1970s sitcom feel to it. Um, and uh, it stars, oh, what are their names? I know one of their names off, uh, Ian McKellen and, and Derek, uh, Derek Jacoby. Um, as uh, Frank, uh, Freddie and Stuart, who's this gay couple who have been together for like almost 50 years. Um, and they live in a flat, as they call it. Uh, and uh, in England, and um, to me, they feel like what, um, if you watch Will and Grace, what Will and Jack would have been like after being together for decades if they had gotten together. Um, they're very catty to each other. Um, obviously, the name of the show is Vicious, and that's uh, kind of the way that they... Um, they uh they talk to each other it's a very yeah uh, it's like really any gay couple that's been together for more than 10 years you would imagine would sort of have this yeah yeah this or, sort of banter and it's i mean it's hilarious it's yeah. very biting but it's very hilarious. very biting and um it is very hilarious so um they are as most sitcoms they're the main focus of the sitcom but they are surrounded by a collection of friends that are just as kooky and crazy as they are. So they've got, um, where are, they've got, where are the friends' names? I have them written down here. Go start, oh, Vivian. Yeah, no. Vivian. Vivian's like the, the main the main best friend. Yeah. Um, so she, I have it written down here. Violet. Not Vivian. Vi Is it Vivian or Violet? I don't know. Um, I, I know I have it as well. I'm sorry, yeah, Violet. I was saying Vivian, but I was like, why doesn't that sound right? It is Violet. Um, and I have oh. it written down here. Violet is an aggressively horny woman. <laughs> She's aggressively <laughs> horny. Um, she is. A, She's like a British um, Blanche Devereaux. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's obsessed and desperate for love. And she just wants someone to love and someone to love her. So she comes over and hangs out with Freddie and Stuart all the time. They also are joined occasionally by their friends. Uh, Penelope and Mason. <laughs> Penelope is the best way to describe her is she is their Rose Nylon. Right. She is ditzy. She's airheaded, but she also has, I think, dementia. But I don't know if it's dementia. She just, I, I don't know if they ever d diagnose it, but let's just say <clears throat> she is so Rose Nylon that she makes yeah. Rose Nylon look smart. Yeah. Yeah. She's completely out there, but she will have these moments where she has just such depth 
and intellect where she just says the smartest thing that is needed to be said at that and moment. And very selective memory. Yes, yes. Um, and then Mason, who is just as catty as the other two, who um, you think is the friend, until the very end of the series, you find out that Mason is Freddie's brother. Right. Uh, because they talk about what a bitch their mother was. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they're just so mean to him. They are. They're very mean to him. And he's just like, I don't like, know why I come over here. Like when they get a group photo at one point, they're like, Mason, will you take the photo? And he's like, but if I take it, I won't be in it. And they're like, yes. <laughs> but then you find out that he's Freddie's brother and it all makes sense. Yeah. Um, so this is their group of friends. And the show starts with um, Freddie and Stuart. They're in their, their flat. And there's a knock at the door. And um, it is Ash. Um, who is played by Iwan? Iwan Rayon, I believe is how you say Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, for, be- for those who don't know that name by its name, he is Ramsey Bolton in Game of Thrones. The evil. The evil, wicked, cut off your wiener, <laughs> Ramsey Bolton. But put a rat in a bucket and heat it up oh, and watch it eat its way through he you. Is, Let the dogs eat you. He is one of the most vicious hateful, nasty people on Game of Thrones, and he is the sweetest, kindest person in this show. And he smiles all the time. Oh, my God. It's weird. And I I looked it up. He literally filmed this and Game of Thrones in lockstep with each other. They both premiered in 2013, and his his characters both ended in 2016. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. That is. He looks like he's, like, a child. Like, he looks younger and vicious. And oddly, he's horribly vicious. Yes. And it's the other it's one. so weird. Um, now, I wasn't someone who watched Game of Thrones when it first happened. So I actually watched this before I watched Game of Thrones. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was, because I just watched Game of Thrones like last year. I just watched, I, I watched the entire series. So I had known, because uh, my brother watched it and I had some friends who watched Game of Thrones. You watch Game of Thrones that you guys used to talk about in the office. So I knew the kind of character he was, but I didn't know anything about the show. Um... So watching this and thinking he's adorable and very attractive and thinking, wow, he I'd love to get to know that man. And then watching Game of Thrones, I was like, holy crap, the range of this man. <laughs> um, because he le- literally for a period was the nicest character on TV and the worst character yeah. on TV. Um, so he knocks on the door and he wants to rent uh, the flat ab- upstairs that Freddie and, and Stuart rent out. Um which later on down the line, you realize it's basically just a room. He keeps saying the flat upstairs, but it's just a one bedroom. Um, so uh, that kind of sets the scene or sets the stage for the show. Ash is this young guy um, who is hanging out with these old queens. And uh, it's that kind of fish out of water story um, where he shouldn't fit in with this group of friends. But um, he they accept him in and they welcome him in. Because... Well, Hesitantly, three, three quarters of them want to bang him. True, <laughs> um, and that one of the thing in the first episode, um, it's them trying to figure out whether he's gay or straight. And the episode ends with him. He's like, "Oh, I'm going to go upstairs," and uh, he goes, "Oh, by the way, I'm straight." And they're like, "Ah, oh, nuts!" Wah, wah, wah. And then everybody laughs, except Violet. Except she's Violet, excited. who's like, "Yeah," <laughs> um, who the course of the show from episode one. Violet is trying to bang this poor boy. <laughs> yeah, all the way through. The yeah. show. That's the whole point of it. Now, there's not a lot of episodes. There's like 14. Yeah, it's it's um, British sitcoms are done differently, apparently, in America, um, where we call something a season. They call it a series. 
So um, they're all they're expected to be contained stories. So you have series one, uh, and then between series one and series two, they had a Christmas special, which again seems to be a thing with British sitcoms. Uh, then they had the second series, which was another six episodes. So you had six episodes, a Christmas special, another six episodes. And then like a year and a half later, they filmed a special, which was the series finale. Um, so it's split into kind of four sections. So you have your first section, um, which is um, kind of and, – and one of the things I like about this show, and you don't see this in sitcoms uh, very much these days, is – there's the overarching story of, you know, that these people and their friends and just, you know, them mingling together. But each episode, you could really watch any of these episodes from the first two seasons and not have to know a whole lot about the show and still get the humor and get the story of it. They're, they're kind of self-little contained stories for each episode. Um, so um, you have your first set where they're, it's them kind of getting to know each other. Um, I don't know if you how you want to do this. Do you want to do like um, some of our favorite episodes? All I or? did was wrote down um, things I really liked, episodes I liked, or yeah. what I liked about Star Trek. Did you watch the final, the series finale? Yes. So you know how at the end of it, which I thought was really cool, they went back and all the actors talked about their favorite moments. No, that was that on where did it was you, on okay, YouTube? Let's, okay, so um, we watched the finale a little different. I uh, because all of the episodes are on Tubi except for the series finale. So I bought it on uh, iTunes, and I have it on my Apple TV. It's just the show. There was no kind of retrospect with this it. This was like right before the credits. They just went back, and each actor picked their favorite moment from the show, which was awesome. Um, I will have to go back and watch so, that because that's but, not So on that's what episode. I did is I just kind of picked my favorite moments. Yeah. Oh, Rather than a... go through every episode and talk yeah, about it. Yeah, well, tell me about your favorite episodes. Or your favorite um, moments. Let's see. Because um, I have a list of mine as well. I loved like, uh, what – the whole shtick of the show is how vicious they are to each other. Yeah. Freddie and Stuart. But they're actually so madly in love with each other and would do anything for each other. And it's so evident right off the bat in the first ep- or the second episode when um, Freddie, who is who plays an actor, is but he's not he's a very mildly successful. Yeah. He's actor. been in um he was in his his big claim to fame is he was in an episode of Doctor Who. Right. And so he's doing some sort of comic-con thing to to commemorate this and he wants to wear this new jacket but they can't afford it so Stuart gets a job at a retail store to make enough money so that he could buy the jacket so that so that freddie could wear it to this thing but freddie thinks he's cheating that Stuart's cheating on him and then so he goes to the he, he goes to the store and he confronts them uh, or no, uh, Violet goes there first and confronts them and thinks like, oh, you're having an affair with this man. And the man's like, no, I'm just here to buy clothes. And so Stuart's like, I took this job. Don't tell Freddie because he'll get mad. He he won't. He's a very proud man and he wants to think he can provide for us. Yeah. So if he knows I took the job to buy the jacket, he'll be mad. All this whole time, Freddie and Ash are hiding in the store and see this whole thing. And Freddie says... Stuart can never know that I saw this because it'll hurt his feelings. So they all just pretend yeah. that he's having an affair with this man and they deal with that problem <laughs> rather than being honest with each other. And I just thought it was very endearing. So I thought that was yeah. that was one of mine. Do you want to go volley back and forth? Yeah, yeah. Um, shortly after that, I think it was two episodes down. Um, and this one is one of my favorite episodes, partly because the clip that I saw on TikTok was from this episode and it was when they go clubbing. That's It's my next one too. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's episode four. So um, Ash gets a job as a club promoter and he's handing out flyers and he asks the his old crew 
to come down to support him. Um, so they're like, yeah, we can go. And they get dressed up in, bless their hearts, what they think are trendy, <laughs> hip outfits. And they are some of the tackiest old people clothes I've ever seen. And they're at the booth. And um, uh, the clip that I had seen on TikTok is when the lady comes up to Stuart and says, um, uh, can you introduce me to your friend? And Freddie thinks she's talking about him. And he's like, <laughs> he just is so happy that somebody is like, oh, yes, I've still got it. And I'm, you know, I'm young and sexy. And it turns out, obviously, she wants to be introduced to Ash. And just the banter at that table when he finds out it's not him and he's like, not him. And he points over to Mason and Mason gets grossly <laughs> offended. Like, why wouldn't she want me? She don't want any of the old people at the table. Um, but that banter back and forth uh, is awesome. And uh, Freddie ends up going back to the club the next day and the next night. And he's hanging out with two guys. And he makes a comment about how we should get what a Jaeger. They talk yeah. about Jaeger bombs. Yeah, the the two younger guys are like, we should do Jaeger bombs. Yeah, and Freddie's pretending to know what to that know is. what a Jaeger bomb is, and he goes, "We should get some old guy to buy us drinks." And they just look at him, and he's like, "Oh!" And he pulls out his wallet and gives him money. He goes, "I want my change back." <laughs> and I'm like, he's such a grumpy old man. Uh, but I love that episode. Um, that was kind of my introduction to the show, so it kind of uh, it sticks with me. Yeah, and so the next episode is Dinner Party, and yes. that's the one where Ash is dating some girl. Ash is kind of like the male version of Violet in that he just wants to find somebody to love him. Yeah, he's but someone his slutty. age. Yeah, he's just not as slutty. As, yeah, as Vi- no slut shaming here, but she's a little slutty. He's not as desperate as Violet. Right, there you <laughs> Desperate go. is very and, Violet, and or Violet is very desperate. So, uh, so he likes this girl and wants to bring her to dinner with all of them. And I didn't write down specifically anything that that caught my attention about it, but I just remember like she was already the girlfriend was already had socially awkward, and yeah. so they just kept attacking each other, which was making her very uncomfortable. She's also a vegan. Yeah, and so and yeah, which is a <laughs> which is the whole thing. Yeah. he's like he's like oh she's a vegan. And he's like fine, I'll make chicken. <laughs> and so when she yells at she starts yelling at them at the dinner party, and she's like I'm vegan, and he's like but I made chicken. <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious and she ends up storming out of there and, yeah but but it was another one of those examples where they were attacking each other and then she jumped in on it and said something mean about freddie and Stuart was like no yeah <laughs> and that yeah that's the thing it's it's um kind of like that you're allowed to be as vicious as you want in within the circle but anyone from the outside better not Better not come in. Yeah, and uh, do you remember that the episode where so every time Ash comes in, he always knocks on the door. Everybody else has a key. Yeah, Ash always knocks, and then they open the door, and then Stuart always introduces Ash to Violet. Yes, until <laughs> one episode because he always is like, "Oh, have you have you met Violet?" Yeah. And then so he starts yelling. He's like, "Have I ever met Violet? <laughs> of course I've met Violet. She practically gives me a hand job every time I say hi." And <laughs> and then Freddie felt so proud at that moment and he's like, "Welcome to the family." Because he was finally doing what yes, they do. Those I think are some of my favorite moments. Um one of them and I wrote this down um between seasons uh, series 1 and 2 is the Christmas special when Ash just reaches his breaking point and a little bit of Ramsey comes out. <laughs> but uh, in the Christmas special, he decides he wants to make Christmas dinner for everybody. And it seems like a good idea till he realizes he doesn't know how to fucking cook. He doesn't know what he's doing. And everything is chaotic. And 
He's right. like losing, slowly losing his mind. But he's trying, what Ash is trying to do is to make this family. Yeah. And the reason he, he attaches to these people so much is because his family is so dysfunctional. Both yes. of his parents are in prison. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We should mention that. His pr- parents are in prison. <clears throat> Which every time they bring it up is hilarious. Their reaction to that is hilarious. <laughs> so he's trying to make dinner and um, you can see everybody's getting impatient. Um, uh, and, uh, he just finally loses it, um, at the end, but it's, 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 it speaks again to the, the, the part in the show where it's like, you know, there's all this chaos, but they always come together in the end and they all know how much they care for each other. Um, and, uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, a little bit of Ramsey comes out. <laughs> I very much enjoy that. Oh, so the next one I wrote down that is, I think is really funny is season two, episode two, which is the gym. <gasps> yes. I have that one down. Cause this is where ultimate Ramsey comes out. Yeah. So so what happens is the guys start they they, they go to the they start going to the gym or Ramsey invites Ramsey <laughs> Ash invites them to the gym because he wants to she's going to show them the equipment yeah. and show them how to work out but this like built stallion of a trainer walks up yeah. and starts like talking to them and like hey um I'll show you how to use all this yeah. and, and and then they start It's in a very flirty manner and for right. anybody who has ever um, had a personal trainer or looked into getting a personal trainer, no disrespect for them, but they're all very, they're just trying to get your money and they're right. very flirty. And I have had in my mind many a relationship with personal trainers. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so they take, they, they now have an affection for this guy. And, yeah. and so they're inviting this guy to hang out with them. Yeah. And he's now, his, their new young gay. Right. He's, or their new young guy. Right. And, and he's gay. Yeah. Or he's pretending to be. Yeah, I, you, they never really specified, right. but I think that he I is. I think he gay. is gay. But um, it starts to eat at Ash. Right, because it's like Ash's replacement. Now. Yeah, and so they even are like, "Oh, Ash, we don't have time." Ash comes over to their house and they're like, "Oh, well, you see, we have company, and it's this new trainer." And he's like, "So go away." <laughs> yeah, so remember, here we go now. He stands at the door and he's like, "Wait, one more foot back, one more." And there we go. And he shuts the door on him. Aww. And so then you start feeling for Ash, and then Ash, like uh, at um, towards the end of it, calls the trainer into a room and he's they're says, in the they're in the uh, locker room. He yeah. runs into him, and you see full Ramsey Bolton come out and he's like, those are my gays. <laughs> you need to back away before something bad happens to you. And he's like, yeah, and he goes, oh, what are you going to do? And he said, I'm going to tell everybody the age that you really are. Oh, yeah, because he's, oh, yeah, he is gay because yeah. he's like, I will t- I know your actual age and I will tell you about your actual ages. And he goes, oh, you bitch. <laughs> yeah, so he, so he, so he doesn't hang out with them anymore yeah, so and Ramsey's back in the fold. ditches them and then Am- uh, uh, Ash is back as the, uh, uh, the one and only in their life. Yeah. Um, uh, the next one that I really, really like is uh, the season uh, series finale when they get married. Um, you should mention that in the beginning of each episode, uh, it starts with Stuart getting a call from his mom. It's season one. In season one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so every episode, it starts with him p- talking to his mom on the phone, um, but you don't see her. So you see her at the end of the first season. Um, when she finds out, I mean, I don't know how she didn't know, but she finds out that, that he, that Stuart's gay and he's with Freddie. Um, the end of the second season is Freddie and Stuart are going to get married and the mother comes, but the mother dies. (laughs) So she, so, so, um, Ash is supposed to walk the mother down the aisle. Yes. And so she, Ash walks up to the mother and is like, um, 
um, hi, I'm here to walk you down the aisle. And she's like, are you a little gay boy? And he says, no, I'm a little straight boy. And she says, oh, I wanted a little gay boy to walk me down the aisle. And so he smiles and goes, I'm a little gay boy. And so she's like, great. So she says, give me a hug. And she goes to hug him. And she's hugging him for like a little long. And she's dead. She died. Yes. She died right there in his arms. So they don't want to upset Stuart on his special day. Because his whole thing is he he wanted his mother to see, to see him, him get, get married. married. Yeah. So, so they weekend at we- Bernie this week. Total lady. weekend at Bernie's. So they're like waving like this. <laughs> like wave to they're your waving, son. And they're like, they wave like this and he goes, well, there's no going back now. <laughs> uh, but they get married. It's very sweet. Um, I And maybe it's just me and my... Uh, the the romantic deep inside the cynic in me, but this when they I love seeing old men kiss <laughs> when they have their little old man kiss and they're like oh, I love you and they like it's just like this so the dopey adorable little hug it's and very kiss. Su- the whole thing is very sweet because they've it been is. together for forty something years yeah and so even the proposal right and this is something that I'm gonna mention later so I'll just say this too is the relationship between Freddie and Ash is very important in, yes. the, in the whole length of the series yes and so um. It's almost like Freddie thinks of Ash as a son. Mm-hmm. And so Ash, one episode, uh, the ballroom episode, says, I'm going to propose to this girl that I like. So Freddie gives Ash his mother's wedding ring and says, you should give this to her when you propose. So he proposes. Ash proposes to the girl. She says no. She's like, I don't even know if I love you. And they're all like, oh. So Freddie takes it and then just turns around and proposes to Stuart, which is super sweet and probably what should have happened anyway. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was absolutely adorable. And it's 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 a really sweet kind of um, story arc because from the first moment when Ash walks in the door, at first they're all enamored with him because he's a you know, young, hot guy. Um, and I, once they find out that he's straight, um, Freddie kind of, like you said, takes that fatherly role on him and through the whole series, um, they have some of the best interactions. So, um, you get to this series finale, which is this, this hour special that they did, um, which I thought was really well done. It's done in four segments and it's done over the course of a year. And each segment is a different season starts with the spring. It was in summer, fall, and oh, winter. Before we did it, because that's the yes. last thing. So yeah, before yeah, yeah, we did, yeah. can I just talk about one of other course. one that I yes. really liked? And that's the the flatmates one. Where um, so after they while they're planning their wedding, they get engaged. While they're planning their wedding, they get they get into an argument and they split up. And yes. so Violet moves in with Freddie, and Freddie moves in with Ash. Uh, and they're they're terrible people. They're only suited for each other. Uh, so they're, they're going to try to get them back together. But yeah. when Stuart, this is, I, I love this moment so much. It might be my favorite moment of the whole series. When um, he comes back, like Stuart moves back into the house and uh, Freddie's going up the stairs and he says something like, you're back. And Stuart says, I am back. And then it flashes back to when they first moved into the flat yes. together and they were so nice to each other. <laughs> they were like, everything was like, I love you so much and blah, you, blah, yeah. blah. And then, um, and then um, he's like, that he's like, Oh, well I love you so much. And we're so happy and life is so good. And I'm going to, he actually talks to his mom. Um, Stuart talks to yeah. his mom and he's like, I'm going to go make tea. And then Freddie's like, Oh, this time, how about not make it so strong? And then he was like, well, maybe you should make it yourself. And then they were like, like, how dare we talk to each other like that? Like, let's, um, you know, let's never just promise never to speak to each other like that again. And it was just really, it was a cool moment. Yeah. Um, but then we get to the series finale. You've, uh, each segment is done in a season. Um, it's like four mini episodes 
uh, within this finale. Um, and uh, uh, it's it's a really good wrap up. Um, Ash finds out, um, I think, in the fall. He's going to university. He's going to university in, in America. In, in New York. Uh, across the pond, as they say. Yeah. Um, so um, it's just it's a, it's a really good wrap up. And, and uh, Ash goes off and um, then there's a knock at the door. And what is his Wait, name? I want to Oh yes, yes. Uh, like I just want to describe Ash's send-off, right? <gasps> oh, it yes. It was so it was it's so emotional. So he 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 comes well first of all he's thinking he's not going to take the 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 position. He's not going to go to school because he doesn't want to leave the guys. Yeah. And so Violet tells him you have to go. Go be wonderful. We we've already lived our lives. You go live yours. So he decides to take it, and when he's leaving, Freddie's so upset about it that he's like just so distant. And mm-hmm. Stuart is adorable, and it's like we packed you this bag, and it's everything you're gonna need in he's here. He's definitely the mom of. Right. Oh, I made you some snacks. Yeah, and he gave him a hug, and then Freddie stands up and he shakes his hand. shakes his hand, and then like a stern. So father. he's like, okay, well, he's like, off you go, and so he leaves. And then there's this, this moment where he says, well, now that that's done. Um, the door flies open, and um, he doesn't knock or ring the bell this time. He just comes Ash in runs right into Freddie's and arms and gives him a hug, and Freddie breaks down. Yeah, and I was like, I was right they there. They do him. this thing. I call it the Lost in Translation moment. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Lost in Translation. At the end, uh, Scarlett Johansson is saying goodbye to Bill Murray, and he whispers to her, but they don't tell you what they what she, he says to her. And they do the same thing. He's hugging him, and uh, Freddie whispers into his ear. And you see Ash kind of like nodding, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they never tell you what he whispers to him. And I love that. That only Ash is the one who knows. You what know, he in said my to him. in my mind, that was Ian McKellen whispering something to that guy. Oh, not really? their characters, right? Like I, I mean, I just get that sense because it was their goodbye. Yeah, from yeah. The whole show, but it was. It's very much done like the end of Lost in Translation. It's the the end of the Lost Translation is done exactly like that, um, where she hugs him goodbye and she doesn't want to leave. And he leans in and he whispers something to her. Um, I kind of got the feeling that it was along that lines that it's just for Ash to know and that none of us are else supposed to know. So then, as you were saying, then after he's gone, then he goes and it's like, well, there's the end of that. And much like everything else in the world, everything dies. And like the Phoenix, it rises from the ashes and there's a knock at the door. And it's another young man who wants to rent the room. His name is Oliver. So, same thing. Oliver uh, is sexually assaulted by <laughs> Violet. Um, Freddie um, is very grumpy to him until Oliver says, aren't you that guy from Doctor Who? And Freddie's like, my boy. And then, <laughs> end the series. So that guy that enters the stage, do you recognize yeah. him? He looks familiar. I, do, I didn't look him up where he's from, but he does look familiar. So um, you and Jen and I went with our friend Scott and Dave to the movie theater to see the 25th anniversary revival of Miss Saigon. Saigon. He played Chris. How, how could I ever forget that? He, he, he plays Chris in Miss Saigon. Oh, wow. He's a very handsome fella. Um, yeah, that was... That was that was an experience to talk about some other time. That was. Anyway, but um, I love this show. My mother loved this show. 
and I am so happy that you now love this show. I love it. I didn't really get it the first when I watched it back before we talked about yeah. it, but I, I absolutely loved it. I wish it just went on and on and on. I, yeah, and I, it's sort of like Modern Family to me. It's just something that I would always I will watch it every time it's on. Yeah, it's one of those very rewatchable shows, and I've watched it numerous times. Uh, and it's just it's it's fun. It's uh, you notice little thing new things every time you watch it, um, and it's just such a such a lovely yeah. show. It's worth it's worth a watch for sure. Yes. Two or three times. So there's no critic review of it, but what do you think the audience? Oh, one hundred. And if it's anything less, <laughs> fuck them. Well, then it's one. No, it's ninety six. Ah, that's uh, that's good. That's good. Should be a hundred, but it's good. <laughs> but still, fuck them. But still, fuck them. <laughs> um, yeah, amazing show. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, everything except for the series finale is on Tubi, which is free to watch. And thanks to Rick, I learned that the uh, an extended version of the series finale <laughs> is available on YouTube. All you got to do is uh, do a search for it. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Um, I would just point out Mason's favorite part was the cake. Oh, <laughs> that the, they Penelope kept <laughs> her face kept landing in this humongous cake, like three of them. Yeah, it was hilarious. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic show. Check it out. Yeah. So uh, next, next week we are doing next a week. It's all about, it's all about recovery yes. in honor. I will hit eight years of sobriety. Congratulations. Next, yes. next week. So we're going to talk about some, uh, LGBTQ plus. We're going to talk about a movie. People. Yeah. What, what movie? We're going to do uh, rocket man. The, the one you you told That's me That's a TV show. Oh, is that it's a, a TV series? Oh, yeah, how it's many on episodes Hulu. in it? It's like two or three seasons. You might want to start watching. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's called Single Drunk Female. I've been, I've been putting this up because I thought it was a movie. <laughs> I will start it tonight. No, it's like Hulu, so you know there's only eight episodes a okay. season, so it should be in there. They're short. Ali Sheedy's in it. Oh, I love Ali. So Sheedy. it's she's kind of a she's kind of a bitch in this one. Oh. I, I mean, I think so. I think that this is the show that is the most like a 12-step program that I've yeah. ever seen. Uh, so it's cool. So we're going to do that in Rocket Man, And then we're going to kick in to and start doing some scary stuff. It's October. Stuff. We're going to do some scary stuff. So we're going to look at um, well, what is called the scariest or the gayest slasher film out there, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's right. Revenge. I say scary, but at one point it was scary. Yeah. So we're gonna do that, and then we're gonna do we're gonna, we're gonna look, take Horror a look Story. at the first couple episodes of the new season of American Horror Story Delicate, uh, and then we'll revisit once the season is over. Uh, but until then, enjoy your week, and uh, until next week, uh, the cork is back in the bottle. <laughs>